I cannot say that I'm an expert in human rights or women's issues, but all my life, all my career was in health and, and nutrition and public health. A few years, in 2010, I was appointed because of my work, my voluntary work in, in women's association as such. I was nominated by a royal decree, appointed by a royal decree in the National Human Rights Commission, and that's where I have been involved in human rights issues, and I started to learn more about them. It was a four-year appointment, so there was a lot to learn, and, and we certainly had built the foundation of, of the National Human Rights Commission in, in Oman at that time. I'm in Oxford because I did a master's in evidence-based healthcare part-time, and now I'm doing a DPhil in population health here at the St. Catherine College at, at the Department of Population Health and the Health Services Research Unit. Something that's also related to, to human rights, which is, which is health as a human right, universal health coverage, and issues of that kind. So I already introduced myself. I'm an advisor on, on evidence-based healthcare and public health in the Ministry of Health in Oman. I have a lot of experience with public health, some experience with voluntary work, and some experience with the human rights. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about Oman. And I cannot talk about Oman and the current status without talking about Oman as a history, because from, from my discussions with many people, many people know that Oman is a progressive country compared to, to, the, to the region, but they don't know that this stems comes back from a solid history in human rights and open thinking towards religion equality and, and women equality. So I'm going to talk about the general formation about Oman a little bit, women's rights at the current time, and how the legal framework and how Oman is complying with the national human rights instruments that are related to, to women's rights. First of all, in 2007, this is an expert from His Majesty's speech to the, the Shura Council. The Shura Council is the consultative council that is uh, voted by the, by the people. And he calls on all women to contribute to the economic and social development. This type of thinking has been there since the beginning of, of the Sultan Qaboos ruling, and not only since then, but also way before that. So Oman in numbers. Omanism is relatively large compared to the neighboring countries, and it has a coastal areas of 3,000 kilometers. The main source of revenue are natural resources, oil, gas, and copper and asbestos, but right now the country is trying to diversify the economy, and they're looking into more tourism, because of the large coastal area, we do have a rich resource of fisheries. So the religion is mainly Islam. Other religions are, can, can and do practice freely. So we have churches, synagogues. I think we have one synagogue, I'm not sure. Oman is not a very rich country. It's not, it does not compare to the OPEC oil-producing countries. It's a little bit lower. The oil prices has gone very low in the, in the last few years, and that had created a burden on the national economy. The population is equal between men and women. We have almost exactly the same number of men as the same number of women in the country. Oman, traditionally, we always had a liberal thinking towards women. Black dress that is present currently is something new that came to Oman. It has always been women wore color, they went out, they worked in the farms, they worked with the men and they socialized with men, 
And that's a very important thing to note. Before 1970, women had the children. Boys and girls went to something called Qutab, and there was no education. So the Qutab would be a person who knows Quran, who can, who can read and write, and they will teach them to read and write and, and memorize Quran. And girls went, boys went at the same time. One notable person that, you know, there are many examples of very powerful men, women in the Oman history. One notable person is Sayyida Moza, who ruled the country between 1804 and 1832. And this happened at the beginning of the monarchy, of the current monarch, of, uh, of the Al Said monarch. So in the beginning, there was a conflict within the family, to cut a long story short. The lady had to protect her nephew from intruders. So she, was, she became the guardian of the nephew, and she ruled the country for the rest of her life. And then he took over. So she had to protect the line of monarchy. And so what she did, and there are so many stories about how brave. So in, in 1832, a woman who's 55 years old was leading the country, was leading men. There were stories about her going out, uh, go out disguising in men's attire and testing her soldiers to see if they are loyal to her. So this is the Omani Empire. Oman has extended from the west of Iran to the east of Africa, and that was time that uh, Sayyidah Moza was. So Oman is a big country and has many culture and many, and, and many be- people from many places. So, so the religion, the tolerance for religion and for ethnicity is ingrained within, within the fabric of the society. So I'm going to talk now about two examples uh, away from the history. I will give them an example, but I will talk how, what are the opportunities and the challenges they have in terms of um, in being women in an Omani society. So Samira is 40 years old. Uh, this is a mix of fiction and real, because the picture is real. It's a colleague of us who has a doctorate as well, and who's a mother of five. And the, the story, is the, the, the rest of it is, is fictional. So she's married, she has five children, and she's a working mother. Shamsa, on the other hand, and Samira lives in Masqat which is the capital. Shamsa, on the other hand, is 30 years old. She finished only secondary school, and she, she works from home. She had a home-based business, and she's married with four children, and her husband works in, in an oil company. So what makes Samira like this, and what makes Shamsa like this? In the Constitution, Omani women, it says clearly that all citizens are equal. There shall be no discrimination based on gender, origin, color, language, or religion. Coming from that, all the laws in Oman, they don't have a saying man and woman, it's the citizen. So it is implied in the law, it's interpreted that every law applies to both men and women. There is nothing that's specific to women unless it said so, or specific to men unless it said so. So this is the basic law. In reality, the UNDP report, the Human Development Report of 2010, identified Oman as the most progressive country in the world since 1970. Since 1970 till 2010, Oman has been progressing more than any other country on the world. And according to them, the high-achieving Arab countries can attribute the success largely to impressive long-term improvements in health and education. So it's not the oil, it's not the revenues, it's the human development. And human development, it is understood, and we 
we know, and it is the, the policy of the, the government policy, that human development is based on the two wings of the bird, the men and the women. So let's see how that goes. I'm going to talk over a number of pillars. First, health. Well, because I have a background in health, I'll just put a few slides on health. I will not talk much about it. But because if I repeat it, the story will continue the same. So life expectancy at birth. This is since 1970 till 2016. Life expectancy at birth has increased and gradually, but it's the same rate for men and women, but women have higher life expectancy. This story, for people with a, with a, with a health background, they know that this story is in every country, almost in every country in the world. Life expectancy is always more among, li women live more longer than men. Under five mortality rate, we have these bars show uh, the difference between men and women, and they, w they are almost the same. So the, the health services and the health opportunities that they have are almost the same. In terms of general health, this is analysis of the Global Burden of Disease Studies uh, study in 2017. This is a study that covers all countries in the world and look at the different diseases. And the men are different in Oman in one thing, that they have more accidents and more self-inflicted injuries than women. But women have more mental stress. So this is the, basically the difference. Otherwise, the, the morbidity pattern is almost the same in both genders. About the education, Samira had studied in public schools, so did Shamsa. Samira received a scholarship for her higher schooling to the U.S. She went to the U.S. and she stayed until she finished her Ph.D. And her children, both boys and girls, are studying. Shamsa studied in public school, left the school at the age of 18, and got married. And her children age, um, range the age of 5 to 21 and all her children went to school, as, are going to school as well. The basic law granted the right to education to women, and it is compulsory that, that all children go to school, whether they're men or women, but they don't have to after secondary school. And there is obviously, as I said, there is no legal threat. So what does that translate to? This is the gender parity index. Gender parity index means how much the enrollment ratios of women to men. So if, if the color is red, then it means that more men are going to school than women. If the color is blue, then more women are going to school. Here, the enrollment ratio for male to females. The red means that more male are enrolled. The blue means that more females are enrolled. This is in 1970. So if you look at it, you'll see how that changes. In 1985, in 1980, you start getting data, and there are more male domination on the enrollment of education. After that, it gradually changes, turns around, and in 2000 and 2005, starting 2005, more women go to school. The first university started in 1986, but way before that, we, they used, there were scholarships. So the government sent everybody, at that time, everybody who could go, who could get an acceptance in any university, they would take them. It was like, it's, it's, it was an open thing, so it had the highest priority in the, in the country. Until since, I'm, I'm not sure which year it started, but I know that at least since the late 1970s. And he started in 1970. So education attainments. 
how much did they finish, at least primary school. So the pink are the females, the pinkish ones, and the blue and dark ones are the males. So we see that the increase in attainment from 2003 and till 2005, more men finished school more in primary and secondary. But that is not the case with higher education. With higher education, more women are accepted, but as you see, less are graduating. Employment and economic empowerment. So what if Samira was discriminated against at work? What if Shamsa forced to face her husband in a divorce court? What, what are the legal issues that they face? So we have the basic law, and we have an employment law, and we have the family law. The women have the right to possess and monopolize their property, regardless of their marital status. From what I heard, in some other countries, you have to get, to get an approval of a husband or a guardian to have, to have your property. But in Oman, you have the sole responsibility of your property. And in reality, no bank or no government entity would allow anybody other than yourself, if you are over 18, or if you are a woman over 18, to sign up for, for example, if a brother or a father or a husband went to the bank or went to anywhere and tried to claim whatever you have, they would ask for the woman to come and sign in front of them to make sure that she agrees to that. And the other thing is that they, the women work on, on equal competition with men and equal, equal footing with men. So, so the competition in all the jobs does not specify males and females, and whoever applies goes through standard procedure and they, and they get the jobs. However, the workforce participation is much less. That could be because the achievement in higher education is less among women. The yellow one is the, is the women, is the workforce participation across the years in women, and the gray one is men. And this is the same graph, just in a, in a different uh, way of, of presenting it. But on the, on the positive side, the percentage of women in the middle and high management have increased by almost 100% since 2012. Because in 2012, there was uh, women in higher and middle and high management were 10%. That is in the government. In 2016, it is 20%. So do they get equal wages? This is a slightly old graph, but it just provides a picture of the wages of women and men. And obviously women have lesser wages, looks like they have lesser wages. So the blue is the lesser wages, and we go to the right there, you have higher wages. It's, it's women, less women have higher wages, but it's not, it's not remarkable. The difference is not remarkable, and that's probably because of the education factor. Well, um, it's, it says here, these are in Omani Riyadh, so... So you have 120, the least is, is $400, but that is in 2010. Uh, since then, the minimum wage has increased to 350 riyals, which is about a thousand, less, just a little bit than $1,000. So that's the minimum wage. And it can go up to, to anything. In the, there are women who, who have uh, salaries in hundreds of thousand dollars, so no taxation on, on income. Basic law is the constitution. So now we'll go into the uh, human rights instruments that Oman has ratified. First of all, the elimination of all forms of racial discrimination. 
2003, CDAO in 2006, Rights of Child in, in 1996, and then the Optional Protocol in 2004, and then the Conventions on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities in 2009. We have also the, what, we, what we call the civil service law, and about 10% of the population works in, in, the civil, in the public sector. So there is equal payment to men and women who are in the same job, first of all. Uh, but there are also special provisions. Women have the right to maternity leave with full salary and up to one year with unpaid salary. And then they have right to accompany their husband for a maximum period of two years and, for, and four years for the wives of diplomats. That is paid salary. So the family law also guarantees women to a balanced relationship with men based on justice and fairness. If a woman is above 18 and her guardian or her father refuse to marry her to a man of her choosing, then she can go to the court and get married by law because the law said there is no discrimination. So the, man, the father cannot discriminate against, against any man because he is from a different sect or from... And that happens almost now, it's every day. And actually, it has reverted the society in a way that the society had become more lenient and more accepting. So uh, to avoid scandals and going to court, so they, they just try to contain the issue. Well, it's Islamic, so some men marry more than one woman. Women have full rights to determine their dowry, although in reality, I doubt that this actually happens. It's, it's, it's mostly, mostly the, the father is the person who determines the dowry. The Article 43, 49, that the, the man is, is forced to, to support his family even if the wife is rich. Uh, the, the woman also can keep her name or change her name in ma in during marriage. That's up to her. I talked about private property. And also this, the interesting thing about divorce is that the woman can divorce if, without giving any reasons. So the woman can, can request divorce without giving any reason. And she, we have something called khula, like, like so, so the woman, if she had decided, if she had put a condition in the beginning, then she, can, she has the authority to divorce the husband. Well, she can request it if otherwise, but if she has stipulated, she has full authority just to say bye-bye. There are also the other, the other situation by law that she can, the woman can divorce is to, uh, if the man has incurable disease for one year, for more than one year, non-payment of dowry or non-execution of the wedding, damages to, or, or um, you know, impossibility of conjugal life, or the, if the husband becomes lost or imprisoned for more than three years, after three years she can apply for divorce and she gets it after one year if he doesn't show up. So the committee of Oman has stood before the committee on CDAO in 2011 and 2017. And there are some, these are the comments briefly, I will not go in de detail, but mostly the, the, the comments were on human trafficking and civil law. The, the committee understands or recognizes that there is the, base, the basic law, which is the constitution, and the civil and penal code do not discriminate between women and men. However, they, they frequently request that they specifically specify women 
in the in the law. Uh, the one issue was this is mostly discussed as female domestic workers who 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 might have subject who have been subjected to violence. So there are covered by in in the Omani law they are covered by the provisions of the penal code. They do not have a law on their own to to tackle that. And the anti trafficking. As is exceptional in treatment of women victims, so they recognize this and they say that um, they have there is there is a place where women have shelter and they are protected. They are given legal legal advice. So the the CEDAW recommends the adopt a specific law on violence against women, and they think that domestic violence and violence against women are not endorsed by the current they they are penalized by the penal law, but they are not recognized. Especially, you know, and separately, as a separate entity. One, on the other hand, thinks otherwise. There is there is no need for a specific law because they are covered, and the law is clear in that all people are equal. If you ratify um, an international agreement, then you are you are required by law to apply it to all to all to all people who who are under your jurisdiction. So, and the penal law applies to everyone. Yeah. But the only the constitution that talks about Omanis that are equal. Then political participation. The women have the right to vote, and this has been for many years now. We have two two cabinets: one the consultative, which is which is totally nominated, an elected cabinet, and we have the um, the state cabinet, which is appointed. Interestingly enough, the elected cabinet has have one woman only out of 85. And the appointed cabinet have 30 women out of 70 or 80. So, so the ratio of women to men in the, in the appointed cabinet is much more. So that shows the, the, the gap between the political view or, or the policymakers' view and the societal conditions. So as everybody knows now, we have a ministers, we have ambassadors work, and women in high position in the government. So in conclusion... We have a strong political support for women in, in Oman. We have health, social, and economic rights are guaranteed by the law. As we see in, in, in the cases of Shamsa and Samira, they, they, are, they have the same, the same entitlement, the same legal rights. However, the society imposes different kinds of pressures on them. That makes them. Samira, uh, Shamsa may have left school because of family pressure, because of the societal pressure. She cannot go to, she cannot get nominated for the Shura Council because the tribe might look at her differently and they would prefer a man to, to be the, the, the person who represents the tribe in the, in, the, in the council. So that is the kind of, of situation that we look at, we're looking at here. The history of Oman is is very unique and it gives it is it is um, very advanced and it is it's, it's forward in terms of women leading and and the power of women but the gap is what we have is the social gap and the the men constantly trying to overpower the women and dominate them thank you very much